is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of books that have come out today. And, oh boy, do we have a packed stack for you today. This is a... Yeah. Too many. Too many books, Yeah, what, what's the deal Why did you here, do buddy? this, Pete? Oh, Why yeah, did you yeah, this? yeah, yeah, yeah. This is your fault. Uh, no, mm-hmm. I really didn't mean to do this. I feel like I, I looked through what was coming out, and every email was like, oh, here's three or four from IDW. Here's five from Image. Oh, no. And I didn't realize what a snowball had become until the end when we were finally getting ready for it. So I'm sorry, Pete. We read a lot of books, but we got to get into it. This is important. People come to us as a resource. <laughs> I don't know about so that. So let's kick it off. We'll this do is what a we can. biggie. From Marvel Comics, Ten of Swords, creation number one from Marvel, Ten written by of Swords for seven dollars. For seven dollars by Jonathan Hickman and Teeny Howard. That's three fifty each. If you don't give any money to the art by Pepe Larraz, which would be rude. I wish That's you would give him some money. Uh, but, but this it's is a part monster one of, of twenty two right on the cover. What a 22, 68 pages long, huge First, story. I just want to say, yeah. if we weren't doing this show, I and we and this was life before COVID, I would walk into a comic book shop, say, fuck you, and walk out. Because $7, <laughs> part one of 22, what the fuck are you doing? And think about it. When you buy a book, right? You know, yeah. it's a certain amount of chapters. You're play, You're paying about $7 per chapter, usually, for a book. Like, no, if you think about it. No, it's like four bucks, bro. No, man. No, absolutely not. 22 no, it's pages. A, it's $154 per book for a 22-chapter <laughs> book. That's how much I pay. Wow. You got to, you, you're getting ripped off. Uh, I just, I, it's a lot, man. It's a fucking lot. And I was hoping, like, okay, if we're going to pay this much money, hopefully this will kind of, like, settle down. We'll be able to deal with all the madness that has been happening with X-Men. Nope. It just takes it to an even crazier place because Hickman doesn't like to deal with things. He just keeps building towards the sky. Yeah. I mean, that is a fair way of putting it, and I don't disagree with you, but... What I was so surprised about with this particular book, and I think we can get into spoilers here, so if you don't want to hear them, obviously turn away, is that for most of the beginning, it was definitely that Hickman denseness talking about Otherworld and Arocco and the original Four Horsemen and them attacking Otherworld and laying out all this like, here's the different level of Otherworld and here's a map of what the Citadel looks like and all these things wild tarot readings and everything. But once it had all of the setup out of the way, I was stunned about how relatively straightforward and fun it was that the plot of this crossover is basically apocalypse's even more evil children and grandchild are like, fuck you for joining the X-Men. We're going to kill you. We're going to destroy your island. We're going to destroy the X-Men. Here we come. 
And the only thing that is stopping them is the leader of Otherworld saying, hey, instead of doing that, why don't you go find 10 swords and then beat the shit out of them? <laughs> like, that that's the plot of the thing? That's great. Like, that was, I felt such a weight lift off of me by the end of this issue that it was just like a good old-fashioned brawl to the death story. Obviously, there's a couple more insane Hickmanian flourishes on it, but that's awesome. And I went from being cautiously interested to the book to totally on board by the end. No. No? I I tell you what, I was happy that it, it did kind of be like, okay, this event is about this kind of showdown of who's more evil with the evil people of the evil worlds. But it also was this kind of like weird, like, hey, guys, um, this whole portal thing, I've got like a bunch of people invading. They're going to probably kill some people. And then you got to sit around and it's a meeting. You know, it's like, well, why don't we just shut the portal? Well, you can't do that. Well, why can't you? Uh, can we, you know what I mean? Like that that part like grinded to a halt of like, I don't want my comic books to turn into my work where I got to explain <laughs> to some asshole in marketing while there's a fucking attack coming through a portal. You know what I mean? Like, where uh, do you work? I work at a startup. Okay, it's not. No, not. I'm just saying that like attacks are coming through portals all the time. That's <laughs> not a normal thing, Pete. Yeah, well, you know, nobody uh, could relate to when that. When you have an online job, things get weird. But oh, I just okay. think that like. That part was a little kind of like, all right. Um, But I did really like the island stance. I was happy that they were kind of like listening to the island, but I felt like Magneto the whole time where he's bored out of his fucking skull, just staring at his cool helmet being like, when do we get to fucking fight? You know? Um, Yeah. But I do like this matchup coming of like, hey, it's a little weird, though, when she was like, yeah, in three days we'll fight you. I'm like, oh, something's going to happen before three days. But all No, right. that's to give them time to find the sword. So it's like a good... It's just wild to me, at least in terms of the setup, how it's this good old-fashioned split into teams, find these secret things, come back together, fight some bad guys in a fight to the death. There's going to be twists. But it's just Apocalypse's kids, so why does everybody have to fight his family's bullshit? Like, that would be weird if you called me and like, hey, listen, uh, my son wants to kill me. Do you mind, like, uh, <laughs> well, uh, Well, but also on a textual level, because I know you've talked about this a lot, Pete, I appreciated the fact that they're dealing with the fact that Apocalypse is there on Krakoa. Like, that, to me, is the thrust of this crossover, at least now. This idea that his children being like, yo, you're not Apocalypse. You're hanging out with the X-Men. What are you doing? And that the X-Men are like, Apocalypse, what are you doing? And it's, <laughs> it's it's almost this fan conversation in a way that is bleeding through into the comic books. And it feels so smart to me. It's not just Apocalypse is on the team. It's why is he on the team? Why is he here? Why is he doing this? What does it mean that he's here? Do we defend that he's here? And how do the X-Men, who have taken the stance of mutants number one always forever deal with the idea of do we defend the guy that has tried to kill us multiple times and take over the world to destroy the world? How do we do that? And again, that is a thrust for a big crossover idea. It seems so smart to me. 
All right. Well, I'm glad you're having fun, man. I'm having a good time. And Pepe Larraz, art, just great superhero art, really fun, really clear stuff. Uh, just good time. The horrible moments throughout, big moments. Rock slide getting chopped in half. Oh, oh my God. What a great panel. But, man, that is heartbreaking. I, I did not like seeing that, but it was really well done. And just imagine the last page of the issue. Such a dumb, obvious, but smart move to have Cyclops, Jean Grey, and Cable go off and be like, okay, the key to solving this and saving everybody is we got to activate this thing. What's this thing? They go in, they activate the thing, and they're like, oh, good, we turned on the sword. And, of course, it's sword, the organization. And they've turned on the uh, gigantic space station that they used to operate in. And it's exactly the sort of thing like, Oh, of course you're going to work in sword. That's so smart. Ten of swords. I get Ten it. Ten of swords. There you go. Great stuff. So I enjoyed it a lot. I just thought it was so much more fun than I thought it was going to be. So I had a good time. Let's yeah. move to another one, another big event. Dark Knight's Death Metal Speed Metal, number one from DC Comics, yeah. written by Joshua Williamson, art by Eddie Barrows. Uh, we talked about this one a little bit on the live show. Pete. You're usually down on the flash, but you seem super into this one. Well, slow your fucking rolls, Albs. Um, right. This first off, is your favorite comic of the week, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> no, no. First off, great title, Speed Metal. Hilarious. Love it. I love this idea of over-the-top death metal kind of fun things. These, like, just Amazing art, over-the-top characters. It's fun to kind of go back to this well to see what they're doing. What hurts about this issue a little bit is you get all this amazing art, this cool concept, new characters, and then it's just just a bunch of fucking flashes talking about their life and their fucking trials and who gives a shit. So that part really dragged it to a slow stop for me, but uh, overall, the art's amazing. I love the concept. I'm excited for more. Yeah, I had a good time reading this book as well. I think there were some dinky things that happened, as you mentioned. There was a lot of like, okay, there's a whole army outside. Let's just hang around and walk through the Flash Museum, which I get what Joshua Williams was going for. As usual, he is just very nostalgic about the Flash, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, and I think doesn't is probably too strong, but having them walk around the Flash Museum, I was like, yeah, I get it. I get what you're going for. There's some funny but bits. But then, on the other hand, I'm such a sucker, seeing Wally West run and get himself back into the red costume, I lost it. I loved it. Wow, and him really? getting his whole history back and seeing his whole family. I love Wally West, and I love and his family, do. and I love that era of the Flash. So that really got me emotionally when that happened. So... I think it really does come down to what are you into? What are you excited about with the flash? Because he just, uh, Josh again, just digs into that nostalgia factor. And then there's that great moment where he's sitting on the Mobius chair and sees, uh, the darkest night coming towards him and just gives him the finger. That was um, unbelievable. I laughed out loud. It's like, yeah, black label. Here we go. Yes. Let's do it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, good stuff. It's surprising and weird that everybody's looking for chairs in <laughs> this <laughs> yeah. series so far, uh, because that's also happening over in Justice League. 
Um, but uh, but good solid issue, and I'm excited to see how it, t- it ties in. I mean, if you're gonna have like a black label, that's what I want to see. I want to see superheroes throwing the bird around, you know, like really having some fun. Well, let's talk about birds then, and talk about one of the biggest surprises of the week for me: an unkindness of ravens, number one from Boom Studios, written by Dan Pedosian and illustrated by Mariana Ignazzi. Uh, this is about a girl who moves to a small town, finds out that there is a girl missing who looks exactly like her. Oh, man, that's so classes, creepy. Uh, and finds out even weirder stuff is going on in the town. Uh, this, if you are a fan of the craft, very specifically, you are going to love this book. I Yeah, I also think it's more than that. This, I was really impressed with this book. The art's unbelievable. I love the storytelling. We kind of, okay, here's the story of this girl, of the dude, whatever, whatever. Okay, going to a town, starting a new high school. But just like they give us a little magic. They give us a little teen drama. The karate moment was badass. I'm very excited for this book moving forward. Uh, love the last page. Uh, mm-hmm. I think this is going to be a really good book, and I'm very excited about it. Boom Studios. Yeah, this feels great. like exactly if, if you're a fan of the modern Sabrina books in particular, I think this fits right into that niche as well. Yeah. But this feels like one of those ones that's just going to kind of bubble below the surface and maybe explode uh, because it really is that good. And it feels like it has such a mythology set up to it. Also, Mariana Ignazi's art is great in this book. The characters are so good. The designs are so good. It's something, uh, and this isn't necessarily the only thing she'd be looking for, but if I was a Netflix executive, I would be snapping this up in a second for a TV show. Yeah. Uh, Great stuff. Let's move on to a belated comic book, Spider-Man number four from Marvel. Surprising he's only had four comic books so far, given that it's such a popular character, but, you know, it happens. Uh, (laughs) Written by J.J. Abrams and Henry Abrams, art by Sarah Pacelli. This is continuing the Abrams father and son story of the young new Spider-Man fighter, a guy named Cadaverous. In the future, after Peter Parker, Spider-Man has been broken. Um, I will tell you, I continue to really like Sarah Pacelli's art because Sarah Pacelli is amazing at art. Unbelievable. Uh, but this is maybe suffering from the slow release time, which isn't entirely their fault. Uh, by the time I read this, it felt like just such a small snippet of the story. I needed more. What yeah. do you think, Pete? Uh, the the art is the real hero in this book. It's It's really... Fantastic and worth it, uh, just for the, the 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 sprawling pages alone and the creepy spiders. Uh, but um, especially like the first couple of opening panels, holy shit! But anyways, uh, I, yeah, I think this this is an interesting Spider-Man story. I'm excited to kind of see where this goes. The problem is, it so long in between, like you said. I, I just got back into it, and now it's over. So it's a little tough. Yeah. Uh, but, um, th- I'm, I'm excited to see what this father son is going to do with such a legendary character like Spider-Man. So I'm trying not to judge it yet until we kind of get more into it. Uh, yeah. They, it, it doesn't really feel like they've gotten to their mission statement yeah, yet. Like yeah. the thing they want to say about Spider-Man. They're just moving uh, pieces and kind of getting exactly. set up. Yeah. But it, it does feel like it's getting to that, and we're yeah. towards the end here, so we'll see what happens. Next up, The Last God, number nine from DC Comics, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson and art by Ricardo Frederici. Uh, man, every issue of this book is good. The end. 
<laughs> it just really is. I mean, in this issue, again, it's uh, they're kind of heading through their, I guess, Helm's Deep. I don't know. Yeah. I'm forgetting my Lord of the Rings references, but, but yeah, uh, I, they're heading through the underworld in the past and present. Different things are happening. There's a big cliffhanger at the end. Uh, but as usual, even with a smaller character driven issue like this, it's still a very, very good book. I mean, the arts really worth picking it up alone. All right. And I tell you, I just drank, I just drank. Good. The, there is like, you know, speaking of like cliffhangers and that kind of stuff, there is a fun, really kind of cliff moment that, uh, says a lot about the characters. I just think that the storytelling and the art is, is so at a next level in this book. It's very interesting what they're doing. And, and, uh, yeah, I can't wait for more. Yep, great stuff. Next up, Voyage to the Stars, number two from IDW, story by Ryan Koppel and James Asmus, art by Connie Dedon. Now, we talk about the first issue of this book, which is based on the podcast, I believe, of the same name. Um, found it fun, uh, enjoyed it. I figured we'd check in on the second issue and see how it's doing. Pete, what's your yeah. take? This is the old Weekend at Bernie's issue. Uh, so this is this is cool. It's very creative characters, fun uh, a lot of nice bits and comedy stuff in here, but the classic, uh, you know, propping a dead guy up, you know, trying to get away with some stuff. But yeah, I think this is an interesting book. The characters kind of voices push this thing through. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying this. I think it's definitely worth picking up and, uh, they seem to be having a lot of fun with it. And that comes through in the comic. Uh, yeah, I agree. As we mentioned the last time, James Asmus knows how to do bits, and they're just well-paced yeah. out here, whether it's him or the artist or collaboration of the both. Um, and it's just fun. It's dumb, fun, stupid, purposely stupid space jokes. Uh, and it just works out yeah. really well. I like this issue much more than the first one, even. Uh, and I felt like, uh, I want to follow this. Maybe I'll listen to the podcast. Who knows? Yeah, I know. That's the next step in a relationship. First step is the comic book step. And then when you get really serious, you listen to their podcast. And then third step, step, you move into uh, a house with them in Philly. Uh, Next up, Wind number four from Image Comics, written by James Tynan IV, art by Michael Dianalysis. uh, Dialinus? 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 I don't know. I'm sorry. Dialinus? I don't know. Dialinus. Maybe there we go. Uh, Well, regardless, this book is very good. Another fantasy book. This is a mildly all-ages book. A kid who think he is weird is traveling out of town with the prince he's always had a crush on. Uh, And uh, some bad things happen to this issue, but also some wonderful things. And I love the fact that we are finally, it feels like, widening open the world of this book, finding out more about the outside world, about what's really going on. Uh, Great stuff. This is the issue that I have been waiting for. Yeah, this book keeps getting better with every single issue. The art, the storytelling, it's next level. And this world that they created really feels like its own very unique kind of thing. Um, It's just great. There's a lot of heartfelt stuff. 
it's it's action, it's adventure. There's just so much stuff kind of all wrapped up. And uh, they're really killing it. This book really is one of those ones that stays with me. And then when we kind of look at it the next time around, it keeps the it keeps getting more and more built up and more and more exciting. Can't recommend this enough. This is a lot of fun. Next up, let's talk about one of my favorite books currently running, Wicked Things, number five from Boombox, created and written by John Allison, uh, art by Mark, Max Sarin. I got to tell you, I was super bummed to find out the next issue is the last issue of the book. What? Because I am. I know. It's like to be concluded at the no. end. I know. I'm having such a blast with it. This is about the teen yeah. detective framed for murder, ends up teaming up with the police department after she's arrested. Uh, There's so much more they can do. Just so much fun. Every issue. Max Siren's art is so great. Uh, yes. Everybody is so charming. And it's. And I mean this as a compliment. It's almost the opposite of Voyage to the Stars, where it's like, it's not even bits. It's more character situations that are causing the comedy throughout. Uh, And it's great. It's just, I enjoy, I want to read these adventures forever. Like, I want to just read an ongoing detective series with these characters. Yeah, it's, it's such a fun character. And it's like, I feel like I'm just now really getting into it and understanding the kind of voice and cadence of everything. So it's like, it's really clicking for me. And I'm sorry to see that it's going to be wrapping up because I feel like there's so many different places we can go. And I love this world so much. I feel like we can kind of put this on a lot of different situations. But um, man, yeah, they're really killing it right now, hitting a stride that's next level. And it's just fun. It's it's coming from such an earnest kind of cool place, and the you know the main character is kind of starry eyed, but still there's a lot of like greatness to her. Uh, I I really enjoy it. And the mysteries are fun too. In this issue, there's a bunch of casino robberies happening throughout London, yeah. and she ultimately figures it out in a absolutely ridiculous way, but in a way that uh, proves that she is the smartest one in the room. Anyway, and it's just it's fun. Uh, pick up this book, definitely check it out. Great, great stuff. Next up, another pen ultimate issue, low number twenty five from Image Comics, oh, man. written too by Rick Remender, Art. By Greg Tuchini. Uh Yeah, I mostly put this in here because I want to talk to Justin about it because I know how into this book he is. Uh, this is the second to last issue of the book. Huge battle issue as everybody is fighting for the future of the human race. The phenomenal thing about the pace of this book is the entire issue. Uh, people are just being blasted apart by this helm suit. We don't see it the entire time until the very last paddle. And it's the pacing of that just is this jaws pacing almost where the monster is off screen the entire time until the very end is great. This is, this issue is one of my favorite issues of low in a very long time. Yeah, I can't agree with you more. Uh, This is such a unique, weird, creative book and it's so intense and like the reveal is so insane. Uh, Remender is just killing it, and Justin knew it early and called it. Um, but yeah, I didn't really kind of figure it out until the last couple of issues of how crazy good this was. Um, really impressive, makes me want to go back and kind of start over again. It's good stuff. Next up, and Canto the art. 2. 
Come the on. Art. Pick it up for the art alone. Canto 2, The Hollow Man, number two from IDW. Story by David M. Boer. Art by Drew Zucker. This is continuing the adventures of a little clockwork man as he tries to save uh, the entire yeah. world. Uh, I I like this issue quite a bit. I think this is a very engaging character. It's a weird, pretty dark world. Um, but uh, good stuff. Pete, what did you think about this one? Yeah, I really like the art and the storytelling in, in this. It's very imaginative. These kind of like little fun creatures that we're following around. Um, uh, it's interesting the way they battle and the way they kind of go about things. It's definitely unique um, and stuff that like that whole town of scarecrows was so kind of crazy. They do a great job of not only storytelling through action, but also like giving you a lot of the creativity behind the different character designs and ideas. And uh, it's a nonstop uh, thrill ride with like a little bit of heart and fun because they're so small and cute. Yeah, that's a nice way of putting it. Let's turn to something I'm sure we're going to definitely agree on. The Immortal She-Hulk, number one from Marvel Comics, written by Al Ewing and art by John Davis Hunt. Man, this issue is so good. I love this issue so much. Pete, I'm sure you agree with me. But this is showing uh, what has been going on on the She-Hulk side of things, as she, like the Hulk, uh, He-Hulk, I believe he's called, uh, has come back to life and discovered that he's immortal with the whole thing with the green door and he who lives below and all these horror elements. So what happens with She-Hulk? She's come back to life a couple of times as well. That's what this one shot deals with. And it's as creepy and as alarming and as upsetting as anything Al Ewing has been doing in the main title, except with our fave Jen Walters. It, I love that this comes off of Empire, where she died yet again. I love the pacing of this story. And particularly if you've been reading Immortal Hulk and been wondering what's going on there, this really pulls the veil back quite a bit and shows you a lot more information about what's going on. I thought it was great. Pete, of course you agree, but I'll turn to you anyway and take a big sip of this beer that I'm drinking uh, for okay. when you Yeah, agree. so this Here is completely insane and then falls down a, a hole of insanity through a green door. And then, uh, <laughs> and then we what? get a very unlikely conversation uh, uh, with Wolverine, which I didn't appreciate. And then, um, you know, we've got... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Later, we get uh, Thor stuff, which I felt like was a little bit better uh, character voice-wise. But uh, the reveal at the end, again, is kind of hitting home this, you know, the leader is really fucking shit up as he is in Immortal Hulk right now. So it was kind of really cool to see that tie in. Uh, but man, alive, this is just so crazy and creepy, like, oh, yeah, you think hell's easy. We're below that. I don't want to know that. I don't want to know it gets worse than hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a hell below hell. Yeah. It's all good. Um, uh, Great. Yeah, I I just, I think it's... Wait, what were you going to say? I think this is insane and a little too scary for me, and I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, maybe trying to get things back to normal. Like a yeah, happier just, Hulk. Something gives me a little hope. A little hope, Hulk. The happy Hulk. The happiest Hulk. Uh, yeah, we'll see that pretty soon. Undiscovered <laughs> Country number eight. 
From Image Comics, written by Scott Snyder and Charles Soule, art by Giuseppe Camincoli and Leonardo Marcello Grassi. Uh, the, uh, I don't even want to say heroes of this book, but characters in this book have made it to the second ring of the walled off America called Unity. They have discovered in this issue that it is a tech wonderland, seemingly, but of course, not everything is how it seems. Uh, I love how much this new arc has changed things up. Uh, it's great. It's exciting. It feels weird and nerve wracking. Um, you know, we had Scott Snyder on our live show a couple of weeks ago and he talked pretty heavily, not just about this book, but about how they're adapting it for the movies, which I think revealed a lot of information about how this yeah. book is going to go. Uh, and it's fascinating to read this book through that lens. Yeah. I also think that, like, now this book is really cooking in a way that I can follow. Where before I was very much confused to how this all works, but now it's like we've got more of a sense of this world and where they are in it and how they're trying to navigate. And um, yeah, it's I really liked that whole coin bit. I really liked uh, the introduction introduction of some of the newer characters in this arc. I, I think this is very very interesting, and it's been a while. Since I've been excited about a writer's take on, on an idea and this kind of like take of America and what it is and what it isn't is very interesting, uh, especially in this kind of post-apocalyptic world. I also can't believe that we're eight issues in and they're still coming up with new <laughs> America jokes. It's very impressive. Very yeah. impressive. They got, Yeah. Next up, Mega Man Fully Charged number two from Boom Studios Art, a story by A.J. Marcello and Marcus Reinhardt, written by Marcus Reinhardt, illustrated by Stefano Simeon. Um, I think you like this issue a bit more than I did, the first issue of this series, Pete. So I figured, again, let's check in with issue number two here. This is a darker, more modern yeah. take on Mega Man that gives it more of serial overtones. Yeah, What'd I very much liked issue? it. I, it's kind of like this idea of okay mega men like how do we deal with this and technology and what's too much and who has control and that kind of thing and i feel like it's dealt with in this issue in a cool unique way where we're really inside mega man's head as justin likes to uh, get inside characters heads uh and we kind of get a lot of like what they're thinking about, why they're doing what we're doing. And we're meeting uh, kind of all the players as we move forward uh, in an interesting way. And I think it's, uh, I think it's cool. I'm very much enjoying this great kind of like last page hype up for next issue. This is just fun to me. Boom is just kind of taking something that's cool and spinning it out in a way that's fun. Uh, I like this as well. I like this a little bit more than the first issue, but I still, as somebody who's not totally into Mega Man, I'm a little lost in some of the continuity stuff. Uh, the things that I liked were the things when Mega Man is out of costume and himself, and it made me feel like, not to backseat right it, but it made me feel like I would love to see a Mega Man ultimate Spider-Man type re-origin of him, you know, and that feels like the, what they're skirting up against, but they're also leading into what fans know. And that's the part where okay. it loses me a little bit. 
Uh, you know, so I like the parts when he's out of costume and he's finding out more about this world. That's very interesting. The other parts are a little too deep right. divey mm-hmm. for me personally. Um, but still, the art, very good in here. Yep. So I enjoy that quite a bit. Let's move on to one of the big surprises for me in the stack. Juggernaut, number one, from Marvel Comics, written by Fabian Nisueza and art by Ron Garney. I thought this was great, and I was completely surprised. This is Juggernaut working for damage control. Some stuff has happened to him in the past where he lost his powers. He's regained them again. We're slowly getting information about that. He's mixing it up with who he thinks is a new mutant uh, named D-Cell. And uh, this is just so good. I I mean, I should have known, but like Ron Gardy, of course, amazing on art. Fabian Nisueza knows his way around a story. Uh, But this characterization of Juggernaut is so interesting to me. I was fascinated. I was ready the for issue. like okay, nonstop action. Like the cover looks insane. Like all right, let's do this. And then it gets into this kind of like touching story about like uh, you know Juggernaut <laughs> and like what he goes through and what he has to deal with. And it's very interesting. And also the introduction of D Cell, very cool. I'm. I like this. I'm very impressed by this number one. I also just got to say the the red yeah, on I Juggernaut's, uh, you know, like uniform uh, is pops and Garney is killing it with this like black and white with the splashing of le- right. It's a very yeah, good. It's like a little Sin City like having a black book. and white and re- popping with colors, but man, it really works great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, I was very surprised about this book. There's something about reading a seed of the Juggernaut in a hospital and a nurse being like, okay, Juggernaut, <laughs> you can go now. It's like, what? <laughs> what am I reading? <laughs> What's happening here? Uh, but it totally fits, and it makes sense for the character, the way that Fabian uh, sets him up. Uh, this is this is a very good issue, and the cliffhanger at the end is super fun. It's a good setup. Uh, I'm excited about this book. I was I just sort of randomly threw it on here because it was number one, but I'm yeah. real glad we did because yeah. I loved reading it. Uh, next up, I know this is one of your top picks, Pete. Black Magic number 14 from Image Comics, written by Greg Rucka and art by Nicola Scott. Pick it up on a cliffhanger for the last issue where uh, one of our main witches is driving through a creepy little girl while the other main witch is sleeping with a girl in her house. Uh, okay. Things well, get a little well, mixed right. up. Well, let's first What'd off, think, Selvins, don't put extra creep on things, all right? Yeah. Uh, Sleeping with a uh, aged person, you know, it's not a little girl that she's sleeping with as well. It's not some kind of weird. A woman. It was too beautiful, okay. responsible. You, you just sound so creepy. All right. First off, yeah, um, you know, we got the car, car Some driving through. ladies. Oh, why? Lovely why ladies. So Stop being creepy. Um, yeah. So we have the art is the real hero of this book. These ghost kind of ghoul creepy kid things are unbelievable. The the just the way it's like they're drawing the ghost and the shading and it's just next level art in such a cool uh cool way. 
And I was so scared of this girl in the car accident, even though it's a comic book. I mean, when she twists the doll's leg and then the lady's leg twists like that. Oh, that is so creepy. Um, Yeah, uh, this book is very good. I mean, uh, like you were saying, Nicola Scott's art and the way things are drawn throughout this yeah. book are the real hero. I mean, Greg Rucka, always good. Uh, but Nicola Scott's uh, just designs of everything are very creepy and in that cover exactly the just right way. Is so creepy in all the right ways, too. Um, yeah, and I also really love the black cat in this book. Really cool. I like that it's a character, and I'm really hoping it stays a character in the book. Every once in a while, we get a little bit more from that. So it's a, it's a nice little kind of side thing that keeps happening. Uh, next up, Power Rangers Dracon New Dawn number two from Boom Studios, written by Anthony Birch, illustrated by Simone Rigazzoni. Uh, we have talked about the last couple of Power Rangers books, which take place in this apocalyptic future where everything has been destroyed. The Power Rangers are the last hope to save everybody. Uh, I've been pretty open. I've been hiding the fact that I don't care about Power Rangers at all. Uh, but whereas I didn't love two issues back, the one shot. I did like the first issue of New Dawn, so I was curious to check out the second issue. I liked it even more. This is good. This is this is a good dark adult reinvention of the Power Rangers, and I really enjoyed it. I am on board, and I'm, I'm very also surprised. very surprised because I liked Power Rangers, and this is not <laughs> this is not like uh, Power Rangers. Uh, you know, I've, I haven't really read a lot of the comics, but. The, you know, the TV show. Uh, so this is very, I'm very impressed at how much I'm on board with this story and what's going on. Um, it's the writing is doing such an amazing job of sucking you into this world and giving you these characters in such a great way. That's such a compelling kind of thing that gets you very excited for this kind of big fight that's coming up. Uh, yeah, I'm very impressed with this book. It's it's basically like stripping them, stripping all the things from them that make them Power Rangers and finding yeah. out what make them tick as heroes, right? Like, I feel like most of the time you watch a Power Rangers episode and the deal is, uh, should we use our Zords? Yeah, all right, let's use our swords. (laughs) We did it. We won. And that's the main conflict of Power Rangers. Versus this, they're dealing with actual real human issues. There are actual conflicts. There are actual problems they need to deal with and big, overwhelming things, but they're not losing the sense of humor at the same time. It's just so much more fun to read. Um, I, I, this is great. I'm very excited about this. Even if it's eventually going to get back to the status quo, I think this is very good. Uh, and I'm very surprised <laughs> that I'm saying so. On the other hand, I do want to talk about an issue that I'm Whoa. a little disappointed in for very specific, very stupid reasons. Uh, Maestro number two from Marvel, written by Peter David and art yeah. by Jermaine Peralta. Uh, so this is the origin of the Maestro, the Dark Hulk by Peter David. Love the first yeah, issue. Yeah, you were going nuts. Book. I thought it was great. This issue, yeah, this issue, uh, really? I had some problems with, honestly. I love um, this. Yeah. Here's, here's my problem, and I'm going to spoil some of the plot stuff, but Peter David's yeah. writing, good as always. Jermaine Peratzo's art, great. But the well, idea, you got a problem with the colorist? And, uh, here's what, what you, happens is, last issue, 
Hulk wakes up, finds the world has been destroyed. Is like, you know what? I've given up on humanity. And you're like, ooh, this is good. We're going to go on a slow progression to finding out how he became the maestro. What happened here? How did he build up a civilization? What is going to happen? And then in this issue, he finds the civilization, and Hercules is the maestro, and it's already happened. That's a fucking last page reveal you just did. No, I know. I said I was going to talk about spoilers, but my point is that it's like... I'm waylist into the fact that he became the maestro because somebody else was the maestro and he took over that stuff versus the Hulk going in this descent into darkness. I'm still going to read this. I like the art. I like the maestro. I like Peter David. So but it was a your real problem bummer was you had issue. a better idea than what the comic did. That's what your problem is. No, I didn't have a better idea. It just felt like it was going in a different direction after the first issue than what happened in the second issue. It felt like mm. we skipped all of the work. you got to wait for it, man. I think you're judging it too fast. What did you I think, did. I, I did, did you like, like it? it. Um, I, I like the idea of, like, Sad Hulk kind of in the wastelands, you know, talking about humanity. You know, he took some fair shots, man. You know what I mean? He's not lying, you know, which... You know, poor animals. I like all of that then, stuff. I think that's And then good. it's kind of like, uh, okay, he stumbles across people, and now it's like, okay, what what's going to happen? Can he go see this maestro? And okay, and then the maestro isn't who you think it is. Great reveal. Classic comic. Boom. Like, I don't know why you're mad. I, I think it's interesting to see how this is going. I think this is a solid second issue of, like, ramping up the story. And um, and I'm sorry, you had a better idea. I would like to just kind of quickly, while we're talking about <laughs> a Marvel book, uh, the rest in power, Chas McBoseman kind of things at the top of the comics, mm-hmm. I think were really classy and well done. And uh, I'm happy uh, that they did that because it's fucking really nice. Yeah, uh, me too. I agree. And uh, man, it is very hard to read yeah. Marvel books with Black Panther right now, which I know is such a weird thing. And I keep checking myself on the emotional reaction there because it's not like he wasn't actually Black yeah. Panther. You know, Black Panther in comics is a different thing the Black Panther of the movies but whenever he whenever Black Panther comes into a comic book battle into a comic book story yeah. it's crushing because it feels like it's Chadwick Boseman coming into the scene I know it's not intellectually I know it's not but emotionally it feels that way so I agree with you it is nice to have that acknowledgement on the front cover yeah. um, and so sad Let's uh, very delicately transition into talking about <laughs> The Goddamn, The Virgin Brides, number three from Image Comics, written by Jason Aaron and art by R.M. Guerra. Uh, this is continuing the storyline of two virgins who are trying to escape from a mountain where angels have their way with them. It's horrifying. <laughs> Pete loves this book. <laughs> Cannot stop talking about it. We get off camera and uh, off the podcast, and Pete's like, let's talk about The Goddamn in yeah. an Oprah voice. It's very impressive. 
But uh, another great issue of this book, R.M. Greer draws the crap out of it as our girls continue to escape from the mountain, find out things are not quite as they seem, of course. Um, but it's so dark and it's so sad and it just brings you further and further down every issue. Yeah, this is really so impressive. Um, what's nice is uh, in this issue, we're not really kind of dealing with the angels uh, raping. So uh, we can kind of move past that a little bit, which is good. And we've kind of got these uh, two heroines kind of fighting for their lives as they're trying to kind of make it uh, out of this kind of mountain range. Uh, But the reveal at the end is a little crushing, but man, uh, it can't say enough about the art, just the, the, the whole part where like you thought maybe she was going to die and they laid her to rest. And then like, Oh, just it's the action, the storytelling. This is really a great story. Even though a lot of the story makes me uncomfortable, I'm still very much uh, impressed with the product that they're putting out. Yeah, this is Jason Aaron writing about faith, writing about religion and making it dark, making it realistic, but not throwing it away entirely. He's not like, fuck you, you're stupid for believing in this stuff. It's more about what do we believe in if the things we believe in are evil, you know? Uh, And that's a great thing to drill into right now, and he's doing such a good job with it. All right, let's move on then. Uh, Judge Dread False Witness, excuse me, Judge Dread False Witness, number three from IDW. Story by Brandon Easton, art by Zay uh, K. Zaba. Oh my gosh, I really messed this one up. But we finally get what we've been asking for with the series. We get a meeting between our two main characters, between a guy on the run for a murder he didn't commit and Judge Dread, who is tracking him down. Um, this, uh, title continues to overperform in my mind. It's just, it's a good judge, judge dread story. There's some really good, interesting class and race stuff that's played with right here. It's very smart and well done while still being a good action yeah, thriller. Yeah, it's just hard. I don't want to judge dread comic right now. I just, uh, you know, I, I don't want a story about cops, fucking all powerful cops that are judge jury and executioner right now it's uh it's uh, you know i didn't really feel it as much with the other issues but right now i was just like fuck this man um i see what you're saying uh not to interject not to cut you off but i do think i mean i guess we'll see where it goes but it does feel like the story is doing the opposite thing the story is presenting judge dread with a case that is not cut and dry. We get, uh, I mean, I could be wrong with the coloring, but we get a case of a black dude getting plastic surgery to look like a white dude and become basically like a proponent of the rich. So there's that thing going on. He gets murdered. His friend, his former friend is framed for it. Judge Dredd is tracking him down I, I think we're getting a story here where it's Judge Dredd having to confront the idea that things are not cut and dry, that I cannot be judge, jury, and executioner right now. And if that is the way the story is going, that's an incredibly tough yeah, thing Yeah, I to mean, happen. I hear you. It's just a little painful to, to kind of just see, just 
just the panels where they're so imposing over people, the the judges, you know, when they walk by and there's all these people lined up in attention being, and it's, it's just, it's very, very intimidating. And it's just, it's hitting me in a different way right now that, uh, you know, normally it can be like, Hey, this is a comic mm-hmm. book. This is fun. Judge Dredd. It's great. I love Judge Dredd, but it's just like right now, it's just a little bit. I understand, and I, I agree with you that it is trying to do that. It's just that it's just uh, it's hard to see the uniform and not flinch a little bit. All right, last one we're going to talk about is Bliss number three from Image Comics, written by Sean Lewis and art by Caitlin Aryarsky. And this is uh, we love every issue of this title, but this is pulling off some big things, some very big things, specifically picking up the cliffhanger uh, where Kid has been telling the whole history of his dad. We find out that his dad is not as clean and much worse, uh. doing much worse things than we thought he was. Uh, also, welcome to Justin, who popped in hey! the last title of the podcast. I, you know, you got to choose your, uh, your angles. And I think I just really, Bliss is the comic that I really wanted to weigh in on. Because I've okay. actually been here the whole time. Really great reviews. Uh, oh, wow. I didn't want to chime in because you guys, I think, really covered the bases, especially the X of Swords stuff. Oh, well, yeah. thanks. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what, actually. We uh, we talked about a lot of books on the stack today. I think it would be worth, before we finish up talking about Bliss, why don't you just give like a thumbs up or thumbs down, like a yay or nay to all the titles. I'll read through all the titles, okay? Great. Uh, yep. So h- here we go. Uh, Ten of Swords creation number one. Perfect. No notes. Wow. <laughs> I <laughs> <Hot> take <laughs> Dark Knight's Death Metal Speed Metal number one. Fast as I wanted it to be. Wow. And Unkindness of Ravens number one. More Ravens. <laughs> Spider Man number four. I mean, you know how I feel about this. This guy should be making more quips. <laughs> the Last God number nine. Good fights. <laughs> Voyage to the Stars, number two. Uh, yeah, good. get off Earth. Earth sucks. <laughs> wind, number four. Uh, good. Um, not enough wind. It was sort of it was very still. <laughs> More wind. Uh, Wicked Things, number five. Chilling. Low, oh, no, number that 25. Was <laughs> now, yeah, that was, the- was fun. Uh, wait, okay, low 25. Can we actually stop for a second? I know we're very much reversing the podcast, but the whole reason I put that in the stack was to get your take on it, Justin. Low number 25, pet ultimate issue of the series. What did you think? I mean, when we look at this as a whole, it's just... I mean, my review of the last issue was, I can't believe... Uh, He's willing to take us here, and I bought it, and then he was it was like, "Oh no, rug pull, everything is terrible, and that I don't know where we're going to go with this at the end of the How day. about that yeah. reveal though that was fucking bananas everything about this book is bananas it they push everything in every direction all the time, and the depth of it makes you that's why this series this series is one of the richest series we've reviewed in this it, it maybe top He's, top remender maybe I, top remender yeah i mean this has really blown me away as for what remender is doing in this comic and i didn't really really appreciate it until this like second to last issue like everything that he's doing yeah 100% uh it's making me feel like we should probably do a separate podcast about top top remender yeah yeah uh, just got to determine, like, break it down. 
top ten. The, rem- the remaining remenders. The remenders <laughs> yeah, that remain. Uh, getting back to the list, Canto 2, The Hollow Men, number two. Um, uh, really, um, Canto? Cano. <laughs> <laughs> the so. Immortal She-Hulk, number one. Um, legit love this book. I can't believe they're making She-Hulk terrifying now, too. Yeah. Yeah. Undiscovered I'm worried, country that, I'm worried that this is going to become my job from here on out. <laughs> like, don't say anything and then just give us the one-liner nonsense. Yeah, we're almost through yeah. it. There's a lot of titles, though. Uh, Undiscovered Country number eight. Perfectly clear of what's happening all the time. <laughs> uh, Mega Man Fully Charged number two. Like playing the video game, except my fingers are not sore. Nice. Yeah. Juggernaut number one. This guy is unstoppable. Yeah. Uh, Black Somebody Magic number 14. Him. I'm definitely getting the impression that you've read all of these books. Uh, Black uh, Magic number 14. <laughs> Great to see this book back. I've missed this book. Yeah. Uh, Power Rangers Dracon New Dawn number two. Um, once again, surprisingly into the Power Rangers. Time to do a <laughs> right? rewatch. That was my reaction too. I, go, go, I, I Power Rangers. Rangers. Uh, Maestro number two. Um, this guy, I want more music. <laughs> I feel like he's not uh, doing any conducting. The Goddamn The Virgin Brides, number three. Um, this book really makes me want to get back into the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Judge Dread False Witness, number three. Um, I'm not prepared to be judged. This book okay. was judging me. <laughs> Great. And finally, that brings us to Bliss number three once again. Uh, this is a great issue of this book. This really flips the premise in a certain way. We spent the first two issues knowing and loving this dad. And in this third issue, we find out he is not all he's cracked up to be. Uh, it's real dark, real sad, but I thought real good. Pete, what was your takeaway from this one? Yeah, I was really impressed with this issue. This A lot of things click into place in this issue, and we get a lot of forward movement in a way we can all follow, which is great. Um, yeah, it kind of went from being like a tripped out kind of stoner, what's going on, to like, oh, shit, um, there's... There's a lot of like evil kind of fucked up shit going on in a way that is uh, very much pointed at this family. And I think like that really kind of grounds it. And the son mom stuff was just so touching and powerful. And the panels of the mom's face are just unbelievable. Yeah, the art, the art on this book, I think, really uh, crushes. It, it adds such an air, this air of tension and um, fantastical, uh, uh, like, remorse and just loss uh, throughout the book. It reminds me of, like, The Dark Crystal a little bit or... Uh, Ooh, ne- yeah. Especially with the the, um, the non-human creatures. And even Neil Gaiman's Coraline a little bit, it sort of feels that like a more adult version of it. Like mm-hmm. the scenes at the end where you the dad reveals like what he's capable of are oh. just tough. Yeah. yeah the, the coloring as well throughout is just beautiful. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's really uh, intense. Great. Great, great book. Definitely pick it up. And that is it for the stack. If you'd like to support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. Uh, did I say patreon.com slash comic book club to support the show? You did now. 
Okay, there we go. <laughs> At Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. We'll see you next time on The Sack. Yeah.